Day and welcome to the Pandemi Show. Stories of the Pandemi for people living in the Pandemi. No one is alone on the Pandemi Show. Welcome back to the Pandemi Show. Who are you? I am Andy Milne. Andy, we're so grateful to have you here today on the Pandemi Show. Andy Milne, jazz musician, two time, two time, two time. Juno Award winner in the jazz category, someone who's collaborated on different Star Trek projects and has played with Avery Brooks. We're very fortunate to get to play song title in the form of a pandemic question with Andy here today based on songs from his second Juno winning album, Remissions, which he did with the uh, his Unison Trio. Shout out to Clarence Penn and John Hubert. And Andy, your band has a great sound. It's structured yet improvisational. And I've just, while researching you and your music and your history, I came across some quotes from you that your music is inspired by the sounds you hear in nature and the music of the great artists you respect. Could you just name some of those artists you respect? Uh, Well, I was working on one of his pieces this afternoon. Thelonious Monk is one. I mean, Definitely, I think if he were alive today, he'd probably be a, a top, you know, a top pop composer because every song has a hook, probably in the spirit of the way pop music used to exist. But because every, he's not pop music, but he he has that ability to kind of create, create a twist of turn in every single piece. So I I find that kind of a remarkable, you know, skill and and, and gift in a way that he's given to us with his music. So he's he's definitely one for sure. I mean, I don't know, I could, we could talk, I could answer this question for the entire interview. So probably, maybe one's enough, I don't know. Well, thank you very much. And it's fun listening to you in a trio. The trio is something new to you. Pre-pandemic, you were working with an ensemble. And in 2019, you won a Juno as well for the Seasons of Being with the DAP Theory. So you just have such a rich experience in music and such creative music. And it's just a real treat here today on the Pandemic Show to be speaking with you. Stories of the Pandemic for the people of the Pandemic. No one's alone on the Pandemic Show. And Andy, you were originally from Hamilton. I was born there, but I didn't really spend any time there, yeah. So you were born in Hamilton, Ontario, and I just want to take a moment to say that I'm recording this interview on the Upper Canada Treaty in Southern Ontario near Hamilton, and I am recording this on the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee, Anishinaabe and Neutral people. Pinch me, I'm dreaming, talking with you here today. But your latest album, Remissions, which you won uh, your second Juno for, can you just tell us how you picked that topic? And is it linked with you beating cancer? Yeah, I mean, the album is called The Remission, actually, but it, it is sort of a play on the words that that people use, you know, in reference to cancer. I went through cancer treatment before before I made this recording, but I sort of did it. And this recording, I guess, came out of having to reevaluate my, my, my priorities after going through that treatment. But yeah, it comes pretty directly. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that veiled. 
And when I think of remissions and use my imagination and try to reimagine a better future as we go into the middle of the pandemic, I think about the cancellation of debt and and th- those types of remissions. But our first question here today on the pandemic show, has the pandemic gone into remission? Depends who you talk to. I think it depends who you talk to and where where you live or where, where you, you know, where you, how you interact, because certainly um, I was in Canada last week and it didn't appear that, you know, to be that in remission, but I suppose it's got to do with, um, you know, what kind of activities you're doing. I mean, I still, I still wear a mask when I go into supermarkets and stores here in, in, in Michigan. So it's kind of a, it's kind of murky. I, you know, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's definitely fading, you know, because people are really recognizing that they've got to, we have to kind of uh, return to connecting in ways that, that are, you know, enabling us to be whole as humans. So I think that's probably the challenge. But I don't know that, again, depends who you talk to. Some people, it never, it never happened. So. <laughs> it, was, it was such a change so quickly. Some people weren't, just weren't able to get their minds around it and still aren't. And it's something that we're going to be dealing with for, for the rest of our lifetimes, I'm sure, in one way or another. Now, we just want to take a minute to listen to one of your songs. And I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Jiwa. That's perfect. Yeah. Can, can you just tell us a little bit about this song before we, before we listen to it? And, and music is really what is bringing us back together, especially here in the Northern Hemisphere where we're in late spring, the summer solstice just weeks away. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Jiwa was a piece that I wrote originally um, as a solo piano kind of etude. And it basically was kind of about, uh, you know, kind of an ode to my good friend and collaborator, the harmonica player, uh, Gregoire Marais. He his, his nickname that we call him was Jiwa. And it kind of just has, for me, it just has a bit of a darting quality to, to how the melodic material moves that reminds me of a lot of the energy that he puts into his improvisation. So that's kind of how it you know, came to into being. People of the pandemic, Andy Milne and Unison, Jiwa.
Thank you, Andy Milne and the Unison. You're welcome, Dave. Glad you liked that. I see you're getting into it. Hard not to. Normally, jazz isn't where I spend most of my time dancing and whatnot, but I'm just drawn to all the different elements of your song, just moving forward like a river, at times splitting into multiple branches and then coming back together. And what an exciting musical project, Andy Milne and the Unison, moving into song title in the form of a pandemic question, inspired by the one and only Nardwar the Human Serviette. Did you go vertical on opening night of the pandemic? Based on your song, Vertical, on opening night. Yeah, it would probably be a no. And what did you do then when March 2020 struck? How did it impact you as a musician with a hit on your hands? I lost a lot of work. I lost a lot of work with other artists, tours that were canceled. That, And then the, this band, Unison, we were supposed to go on the road. And that that was in May of 2020. That got canceled, but it didn't get canceled immediately. So it was kind of a, you know hold on and see and everybody was in a hold on and see kind of headspace so it didn't really register for a second and I thought well maybe it could happen but then you know I realized that wasn't that wasn't happening you know but initially I thought well it's possible you know nobody really understood but I think that you know I don't know about being vertical I think you know probably it was just more a resignation of like I'm disappointed but I'm I'm concerned and you know it was just sort of like cooking it at at a rate that you couldn't really kind of keep an eye on everything you know if you got like three different pots on the on the stove and you're trying to keep an eye on them and then somebody comes to the door you're like oh yeah. wait a second do i turn this down i can't turn it down because if i turn it down it's going to spoil so there was like a it just was like there was a lot of things to try to 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 put on pause and to move in slow motion and you don't stop things things don't start things don't start in a sort of like suddenly thing they start gradually in life you know and then when you throw them all on throw them all off there's just this screeching kind of reaction that was not you know there was so many things that it was impacting in terms of like things going on in my life and you know work career personal a lot of stuff it was it was just you know and I I had it easy look I mean a lot of people you know really suffered and people lost lives and stuff so it wasn't something I take uh, and feel like oh I had it tough because I didn't have it tough by comparison you know but but I I don't think I went vertical because I think I was too busy to um you know it depends i suppose how you think of going vertical right because it's like easily you know you sleep at night horizontally and i think i was able to sleep at night but i had a lot of my mind for sure did you end up pivoting and doing a lot of collabs and things then virtually and online not tons i did some of that but not tons i, I it, it wasn't something that i was uh maybe you know pressed to do like some people were really pressed and they kind of dove into that 100 percent yeah i had to do a lot of online because i teach and my teaching had to go online and that just that wasn't fulfilling and for music it's not you can't sort of work synchronously in the way that you would in person so that required a whole lot of pivoting and it was just like thinking about what what was possible what could work and what couldn't work and so that just, it just sucked up a lot of time trying to like, you know, explore avenues that in the end were kind of dead ends. And we, we luckily found some hacks to kind of stay, mm -hmm. uh, you know, virtual, not say, stay virtual, but also to stay in person when we could eventually and, and relevant. And so, it, it, you know, I did some performances with my wife. Uh, we did a couple of things just here at home, like stream concerts, and, um, but I didn't do a whole lot of that. Did you find that you might have had just do any 
Was there a collaboration that sticks out in your mind that wouldn't have happened had it not been for the pandemic? Was there some oh. kind of silver lining? Sure, there was lots of silver lining in the, in some ways, but I mean, like I recorded a piece with Unison and some guest musicians that came out on a record just a couple of months ago called uh, it's a compilation record called Black Lives from Generation to Generation, and it was produced by an agent and friend of mine who lives in Brussels, Stephanie Callenbear, and she she curated a whole. I mean, it's two it's two discs, right? It's a big album. Um, of a bunch of different artists who, you know, generally we know each other kind of either in New York or in London or in Paris or in Brussels and, you know, but, you know, everybody was, uh, it was sort of tasked as a composer to produce a track. And so I produced a track with Unison that we did entirely virtually. I had two people come and record something here at my house in my studio here, but otherwise it was just done virtually. And I, I wouldn't have done that if I only the opportunity would have come to fruition. The opportunity came to fruition, I think, in part due, due to sort of uh, how people were responding to, to, to police brutality against African-Americans and George Floyd and that kind of stuff. But it was also, you know, the way it went, it went down for me was because of the pandemic. I had to, I, I did it virtually. And I never would have, you know, in, I would have set out to do that just, in, just to do, you know, it had to have a reason. So that, that wouldn't happen. So there's silver lining. I mean, I got a piece of music that I wouldn't have created, probably. There also was some silver lining from the point of view of how I was able to reach out to people and bring them local in a way to engage with my students. And it was things that we would have done maybe occasionally, but not to the degree that we did. And so there were a lot of new kind of pathways for learning that, that I offered my students. That was great, you know. Thank you for sharing that. That's interesting to hear your project and this global project, global jazz project, Black Lives from Generation to Generation, a musical response to the police killings of George Floyd before him, Breonna Taylor, and the countless people before and after. The pandemic show is proud to say we are actively anti-white supremacist and pro-Black Lives Matters. And thank you so much for sharing that with us and our listeners. It's a lot of music on it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, sure. What do you think of pandemic resolutions based on your song, Resolutions? Did you make a pandemic resolution during lockdown? Were you going to exercise more, do something differently? A lot of people use that time of introspection to make positive change in their life. Did you have a pandemic resolution? I didn't have one. I didn't have time. I think, I think it just happened organically. I think things that changed changed not because of a declaration but they changed out of either necessity or just a, a kind of sudden realization that it was like oh i guess we're going to do this i guess we're going to live here i guess we're going to interact this way and so these things were less than like that sort of you know countdown on new year's eve like or new year's day route like, okay this year i'm going to do this more or whatever <laughs> those kinds of resolutions i mean i can appreciate people's commitment to wanting to sort of you know assert change in their lives but i didn't get i didn't get there in that way it, things happened they just came to me and we responded and and tried to find uh Try to find the, the best approach that 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 was going to be you know possible uh, and, and that would have some sort of sustainability in my life. So, you know, I mean, I'd use the time in ways that maybe were different because I just sort of like, oh my God, it was like this giant, I mean, certainly not now, but I mean, you know, in the first six months, it was a giant snow day, right? Like, yeah. it's like <laughs> everything just stopped in, a lot, in ways that 
you never you never get that right you might get a few days over the holidays but that's just it you know but generally the world's constantly churning and so as an artist you're struggling to kind of uh keep up with the pace of, of having to stay you know engaged with people work on projects start new projects finish things up file reports find get funding do, all these hats that artists wear nowadays it's it's um it's a bit exhausting sometimes. And so this, that was a like, oh, wow, I can kind of be a little self-indulgent in this little uh, sidebar that I could never get to. You know, I got rid of a lot of things that I didn't need. Like I sold things on eBay that I was able to list on eBay and sell and people were buying stuff and it was stuff I didn't need. And it was like, great. I didn't make a lot of money or anything, but it was like, it felt good knowing that things got homes, you know, that, that were just yeah. sitting. Moving yeah. right along. On yeah. song title in the form of a pandemic question with the one and only Andy Milne. What are you sad to say about the pandemic based on your song, Sad to Say? It's pretty easy. I mean, it's sad to say that there's so many people that didn't need to die, died, you know, and, and people that I knew, people that I admired, people that I didn't know, people that were connected to people that I knew, you know, I mean, it's really, that's, that's sad because it's just sort of there's such a, such an obvious thing that could maybe have been rerouted at least perhaps not quite as much suffering but i mean i think people passing is is sort of a you know it's a normal fact the cycle of life so it's not a it's not a new phenomenon in any way but it was certainly accelerated but i, I suppose the other things are just like i'm sad to say that i worry that we didn't retain what we learned because the pandemic exposed enormous inequities in the world it exposed incredible inefficiencies and sort of like, you know, workflow issues with how things are done, you know, like structures in our institutions, whether it's government, whether it's education, whether it's transportation, you name it, you know, how all treat, kinds of things. Yeah, right? That it exposed like, oh, yeah, we could do this a better way. System wide. It really system showed a system wide problems with system. the privatization of social yeah. services problems yeah. around structural racism, income inequality. Yeah. I know in Southern Ontario, we're seeing more and more homeless encampments, exactly, something that yes. I think the States has been seeing for arising for over a decade. Yep. And the yep. response seems to be a mil militarized police approach. So it's alarming. Yep. I heard on the CKWR 98.5 Kitchener-Waterloo's community radio station, the Canada's oldest community radio station, happy 50th year anniversary. The amount of billionaires went up by 500. And mm. the amount of people living below the poverty line went up by 800 million to a billion in the first year alone. So yeah. there is work to do. And hopefully some of the shared experience that everyone felt during the pandemic will lead to some collective action. And our next question, did the pandemic teach you anything about anything based on your song? <laughs> anything about anything? Yeah, I mean, it taught me how to engage with my wife in a new and exciting way because we've had time together like we never had before and i suppose an appreciation that i knew was there but it's just we hadn't we had no choice but to just dive right into it because we saw each other within two months we probably saw each other more than we'd seen each other in the previous whole year because we were living apart so we learned i think like things to appreciate about each other you know in a sense but but i mean i suppose you know, I learned, I learned about like the, the, the sort of skills that I sort of still want to develop and sort of a pathway to sort of developing those skills. Because, you know, when you're, when you're, like I said before, when you're kind of running at this pace, you kind of just overlook a lot of things and you can't quite 
get caught up, you know? And so that I learned a ton, you know, it might not show, but I learned a ton, you know? <laughs> it's exciting to think about what's coming. And, and now you're back out touring again with the band in front of live audiences. Yes. I'm very excited about that because we haven't, we did a couple shows in October, um, but that was it. And so, yeah, we've got like three weeks solidly booked of like no days off. We're touring all across Canada, all through the Midwest and the U S and through the West coast of the United States and then finishing up in New York. So it's a, it's a busy tour. We'll have a lot of fun and we'll have people to really enjoy engaging with audiences too. Yeah. Andy, you have a upcoming show in Southern Ontario on June 28th at the University of Toronto. Can you tell us a little bit about what the people of the pandemic can expect at that show? They're going to hear my trio, Andy Milne and Unison, with, you know, the guys in the album, John A. Bear on bass and Clarence Penn on drums, playing music from the remission. The album that you mentioned um, won the Juno in 2021, but also starting to work work in some new music that I'm writing that, that we'll be recording. So it's going to be great. I mean, it's on the main stage at the Toronto Downtown Jazz Festival. Haven't played there in 12 years. It's outside. Hopefully the weather is, is agreeable. And we're looking forward to it. And that's one of the, the indicators that we're in the middle of this pandemic. The Jazz Fest, the Jazz Fest is back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hooray. Yeah. I had beaches tickets, the beaches the rock and roll hit sensation band from Ontario. And it kept getting canceled and canceled from 2020 into 2022. And just last month, I was fortunate to get to go. And it just felt, I, w- I was wearing a mask mm-hmm. and I was up on the balcony with the other old people, but it just <laughs> felt so good to be moving and grooving for 90, 90, 95 minutes. I hadn't danced for 95 minutes. I don't think during the whole time of the pandemic, like <laughs> I did that one night at the beaches show. Did you have any shows that got canceled due to the pandemic that you're still making them up now? And you're just seeing the jubilation on your fans faces. Well, this tour, basically this, there's, this is the well, tour. Well, not all of the shows, but certainly some of the shows first, the first four or five shows were all rescheduled from the from may 2020 and how does that make you feel as an artist it's nice to it's more like it's nice to know that there's an opportunity to be able to do what we do and that the people that make concerts happen are still they're still you know in existence and they and they survived and persevered i mean we lost a lot of venues good point and, and so the, not everybody made it you know so the ones that made it i'm grateful that those were you know people that i had relationships with that I could still, um, you know, you know, reschedule these engagements. So the fact that, I mean, probably half a dozen of them were from pre pandemic. I did some shows with another artist a few months ago that were rescheduled as well. This tour, obviously it it took a, I think I rescheduled it twice. I think I initially thought, oh, maybe let's do it May, 2021. And then I said, what the hell am I doing? And then just waited, you know, because I was, it just didn't feel right. Thanks, Andy. So grateful to have you here today on the Pandemic Show. Stories of the Pandemic for the people of the Pandemic. No one's alone on the Pandemic Show. I'm a big Star Trek fan and I got into it more during the pandemic than the years before. Deep Space Nine, Avery Brooks, my favorite series. You've performed with Avery Brooks. You've scored and worked with William Shatner on the music on some Star Trek documentaries. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, sure. I mean, it was very um, fortunate opportunity that 
I mean, I'd known Avery Brooks for a long time. And then we started performing together. He asked me to record with him. And then we started performing together. And this was probably, I don't know, four or five years, five or six years, maybe before William Shatner was doing this documentary, The Captains. And so out of The Captains kind of came this opportunity for me to work directly with Shatner and, and, and score the film with Avery as the music supervisor. Wow. And that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of pressure. I mean, working <laughs> in film is a lot of pressure anyway for a composer because it's usually a time crunch in terms of getting stuff delivered like just you know yesterday kind of thing so that was that was exciting i mean i'd never actually worked on the film before at that time at that point but then i went on to work on seven or six or seven more films with shatner in that period but but it was exciting and it was great i was a star trek fan too so it was it was it was a lot of fun to kind of see and hear these stories and then help kind of push them with the music that we were we were creating to kind of you know eke that last little bit of emotional narrative out of out of what the actors were talking about on screen and star trek like your music is so important it helps us reimagine things differently in a more positive way with a different outcome the traditional historical challenges that people face coexisting you've been involved then in some conventions and involved in the trek subculture i myself I'm a crewman and cargo master on the USS Vector with Starfleet International. I haven't been to any of these types of conventions, but what was the energy like when you were playing the ballroom in, in and where was that big, was it a big convention in London, England, or was it in the United States or both? Uh, it was a couple. It was both. There's, I did one in, I did the big one in Las Vegas, which oh, la, la. was incredible. I mean, like I probably, we probably performed for, I mean, it had to be over 3,000 people. I mean, it was a massive ballroom, right? I think the energy I felt as soon as I w walked into the hotel, you know, and just I'd never been to a convention. And it was really quite remarkable, the, the, the positivity amongst all the convention goers that, that really, A, they love Star Trek. B, they, they are really, I guess, how can you say, like open-minded, thoughtful and sincere people you know and and super passionate about star trek and that was you know it's, that's obviously evidenced in, in in the fact that everybody's you know pretty much in dressed up <laughs> in costume of some kind and they're really into it you know so i had a lot of really meaningful conversations with people that like feel deeply and then you know so that was the first experience and i did a few more and then i did one in, in kind of like a sci-fi convention one time in orlando with Avery. And then we did this big one in London, in, in the UK, which was, that was massive. It was probably like, there was probably 20 or 30,000 people there. Wow. Um, it, over the course of a couple of days, it was, you know, we played in like, what was like an airplane hangar kind of size space, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was, that was pretty intense. I mean, I met a lot of, it was pretty fun because I spent a lot of time in the green room at that convention. So I met a lot of Star Trek actors from all through the yeah. franchise from the films and the, and the series. And, and everybody was kind of hanging out in this green room between appearances and whatnot. And so I, I met a lot of, uh, a lot of actors that, that, uh, you know, I had some fun conversations with just, just kind of hanging out there. Cause it was, that's just sort of where I spent a bunch of time. I, I wasn't really working the convention. I mean, Avery brought me on stage one at one point when he was doing a, a, a Q and a 
And, and so, he, you know, he just sort of sat me down and talked to me for a second and, and introduced me to his fans. But like, that was, that was pretty fun because it was really interesting to see close up, like how, how Star Trek has impacted people's lives in really positive ways. Cause they're getting up, they're getting the mic, they're getting to say something to an actor for a minute or so and have these really meaningful engagements and oftentimes sharing some poignant story about something that happened in their life and what Star Trek did and how it got them through a, a rough patch or what, what it inspired in their life or what, what they ended up doing. And, and so, I mean, like the film in a way has a lot of that in it, you know, at least the first film, the captains has a lot of that in it in terms of those firsthand accounts of people and their, and their life as a result of Star Trek. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of important. It's, uh, you know, I think because I, I've always enjoyed the shows and also because it's just important in terms of like our humanity, you know, and I think that's what's what's at the heart of it, which I think sometimes is uh, glossed over and maybe dismissed by my mainstream media or maybe dismissed, dismissed by people getting just weird about like thinking people are strange because they're dressed up in costumes or something, you know. Cosplay is taking off and Star Trek is positive popular culture in a time when there's so much darkness, negativity, decisions based on fear. It's great to have a shining light, but (laughs) we're just so grateful for your time, Andy Milne. You've touched so many different things with your jazz fingers. Can you tell us what you hope the world is like in after times when we're looking at this pandemic, if we're ever looking at this pandemic, we're in the third season of it. We're somewhere in the middle. Oh God, I, I hope we're, we're I hope we're tackling our biggest problems instead of arguing about whether they exist. I mean, that covers it all to me. You know, I, 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 think, I think I think if we can just like and stop being you know stop being so divisive. I mean, that would be uh, you know it's a tough one because I think humanity's been kind of at each other's throats for you know a couple <laughs> millennia here, maybe longer. <laughs> I think religion plays a little bit of part of that, but anyway. <laughs> You know, I think I think it's a I think it's it, we're we're not exactly uh, we're not exactly nailing it, humanity. <laughs> Andy Milne, thank you so much for joining us here today on the Pandemic Show. Stories of the Pandemic for the people of the Pandemic. No one's alone on the Pandemic Show. All right, thanks. Thanks for listening to the Pandemic Show. We're all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Physically distance with us at pandemishow.com. Be a part of our community by subscribing to and sharing the Pandemic Show. Thanks for taking a minute to email an episode, share a link, or promote us on social media. Pandemic Show is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. Stories from the Pandemic for the people of the Pandemic. Do you have an interesting Pandemic story and want to share? Email us at pandemishow at gmail.com. Thanks to all our guests. Thanks to Giant Value for singing us in and letting us know everything is going to be all right. No one is alone at the Pandemic Show.